first I have to write the thing, then we gotta find this, and that's it. What is your emergency, folks? Welcome back to another episode of The Job Meltdown. I am your host, T. Clow. This is the closest thing you will get to an anti-work podcast. And if only you could call 911 on your boss when they are getting out of hand. I'm sure handcuffs, a spray down with a high-pressure hose straight into the back of an ambulance is exactly what they need. Calling your emergency line when you need it can and will save your life. Today, I will be talking about three different jobs, but all fall under the same category because of one phone number. That is your emergency services, police, firefighters, and EMTs. Now, why am I doing all three of these jobs in one go? Well, I think a few people in the back seats over there would fall asleep if I just talked about becoming an officer, or why people are leaving that title. Do you know anything about firemen, the firehouse, how they're doing? Oh, and let's not forget and to be thankful for any and all types of EMTs and people that have performed that type of work out there. I thank you all so much. These jobs are all the variations of critical and essential that I've stated throughout my episodes. So suit up and let's see what happens with the people that work these jobs and see how that relates to an anti-work show. The cops. <laughs> Bad boys! So obviously regarding all of these jobs, I've never been a cop, a firefighter, or emergency medical response, and if you have, that's great. I don't want to interview people quite yet either. This show is still nesting, hibernating, gathering nutrients to grow. So until I interview these positions, we have to rely on the searching I've been doing like usual to find out how these jobs are doing. So let's get to it. So when you've had to call for help or been pulled over, you might have asked yourself, but didn't really research, how much do cops get paid? Well, sites like ZipRecruiter state it is around 45000 a year, which is uh, fine, but just on Google's first page alone, and I know, but it seems to range between like 38000 a year for low-end places all the way up to 80k. but that's the top percentile in that range, your sheriffs and your top dogs. So even at the top pay rate here, that's pretty low considering what police can potentially be called out for. High-speed pursuit chases and assault calls. I'm sure it can get wild. The thing that gets me money-wise is the amount spent on police equipment. Decent vehicles and body cams aren't cheap, and I myself want police to have solid defensive gear. But at least on one site, back in 2020, the U.S. spent $90 million alone to get military-grade stuff. So even at that, with other sites having other numbers here, it's kind of crazy how much goes towards suiting up an officer, 
but not preparing them with a good home salary in some cases. Slate.com had some info analyzing police budgets over nearly 30 years, and one sentence summed it all pretty well. The trend was clear. When cities decreased the size of their police departments, they saw fewer misdemeanor arrests, and when they increased them, they saw more. But this might not tell all the story either with how training certification and budget shifts all can have many variables across the board. Regardless, we should entertain the idea on how funding could be split for necessary equipment. Nothing crazy or over the top, and also to help those that have given good service have a stable income that can support them. I really believe there is a problem here because looking up the common problems for police positions, it comes down to two things, recruitment and retention. Yep, that's right. There's not many wanting to be an officer and it seems a lot are resigning at a fast rate, so it doesn't seem great. Also, here's something you may have asked yourself. Where did the idea of good cop, bad cop originate from? Well, that goes back to 1940, called the Reed Interrogation. Basically, this consists of three parts. Getting the suspect isolated from anyone to make them feel alone and helpless. You have a bad cop that tries the harsh route of getting information leaked from the culprit. And then you have a cop who acts a little more gently, pretending to feel bad for the suspect and see if they can sway them into trust. Now, why did I just tell you all of this? Well, to me, in a way, this encompasses the thoughts of trying to help all police get better pay, get better hours, and less to deal with on each of their plates. It also shows that not every cop you meet is an outstanding citizen themselves. Cops can be corrupt. There are stories of how police arrest each other, do inappropriate acts while on duty, all bad, possibly illegal things in themselves. This is anti-work material, folks. These are the jobs that are expected of individuals to be experienced and ready for any type of action. You can't call out as a cop much because they need you to be there on duty. But looking up any question of police duty being difficult, yeah, it is. You can't just, in the middle of reading someone their Miranda rights, leave because you feel tired and don't want to. But if we keep pushing cops meeting quotas for tickets and having to stop traffic during crashes all the way to battery and trespassing for creeps, that would wear anyone out. Giving police too much power can have it really go to their heads. And things do get out of their hand on their side. If we train and prepare the right individuals who want to serve and protect the right way while still being treated like humans, I think we would start the right trend in the right direction for helping them out. Let there be fire. And let there be people who put fires out. So how are firefighters doing in the world right now? Did you know that 65% of flame fighters in the world are volunteer? Isn't that kind of wild? Aside from some deranged arsonist that wants to cause harm. Fires are usually caused by an accident, right? So to think that when you need help getting flames taken out ASAP, it's from people not getting paid at all or very little to help with that cause. Really? 
These people are amazing for what they do. And some inspirational aspects have touched the hearts of millions, like children's books depicting just how cool firefighters are. Little do these kids know how there's a chance that fire people are going to see some disturbing scenes that involve more than just fires. Some more facts on our firefighting friends. Firefighters work on a 21-day, 168-hour pay schedule. Wow. They receive two different types of paychecks. One type of paycheck is received bi-weekly and is intended to cover 106 hours. The second type of paycheck is paid every three weeks at the end of the firefighter's 168-hour pay period. Benjamin Franklin is responsible for the first fire company in Philadelphia. These firefighters were sometimes known as Benjamin Franklin's Bucket Brigade. They would meet monthly to discuss different techniques to fight fires. I can't imagine a conversation. Hey, son, hey, you're going to be just like your old dad and join the BFBB, the Benjamin Franklin's Bucket Brigade, when you're older. You would think that most likely the thing to kill a firefighter is fire, right? Well, that's actually wrong. The number one killer of firefighters is heart attacks. Over 45% of firefighters who die while on duty die from heart-related issues. Firefighters are 12 times more likely to have a heart attack when putting out a fire than when they are performing duties not related to emergencies. But yeah, being in this field seems very challenging and takes a strong person to do it. That is, again, the anti-work part of this segment. Firefighters are running into the danger, and hopefully with technology, yes, I'm throwing in that topic, and I've covered it. Please listen to that episode. Us as a society can either find the best possible way to keep a human safe when going into fires and dealing with crashes and natural disasters, or send in a robot. I don't want the robots to be upset with me, but I think we can make you look pretty sweet when you roll up to the scene. Or what? Or hover. See, we can work together to find a solution. Okay, but Hopefully we can find a way in general to just better the experience in which firefighters are compensated for their life-saving work. There's a site here that said it was made by ChatGPT, so I don't know if and what this means. Yet fire FireRescue1.com had a bunch of reasons, like rising call volumes, diversity and inclusion within departments, and budget restraints and funding issues, and again, recruitment and retention. So... So it is mentioned how people aren't lining up and signing up to do this all over the country and people are resigning from their positions. If we get those areas patched up and better, maybe we can make a firefighter position well-rounded and given the proper income. The last part, but just as important as the last two jobs, emergency medical technicians and also paramedics. I'm keeping it short to EMTs for now. These are the folks that come to assist when the human body starts to not want to work. Not even our bodies want to do their jobs all the time, but here you are thinking it's always going to go accordingly. But anyways, you start out as an EMT first, then advance to become a paramedic. But before EMT... You have to go through some courses and then possess something like an American Heart Association's basic life support card. Then you have training to become a paramedic too. So already, 
there's a lot of work to be done to prepare for this job. A site called gems.com gives a ton of insight for us on EMTs. The U.S. of Department of Labor's Bureau of Labor Statistics, this was 2019, reports that EMS work demands cognitive, physical, and emotional labor in a high-stress and unpredictable work environment. There is also a significant part of the workforce that is volunteer or pseudo-volunteer. The majority of EMS workers are paid and are employed by municipal fire departments. Okay, so there's an interconnection between those two there. The median annual salary for this group is $36,450 a year. However, there exists a wide variance in the profession with regard to pay depending on geographical location, organization of the employing local government, and tenure. So, okay, that makes sense. But it, it's just as low. So even here, I actually thought this position was always a pretty high-paying job, but we find some positions being paid in the lower 40000 range. Traditionally, the public sector of the EMS workforce has been the highest paid and has enjoyed the low turnover rates, so there is that. However, the rate of retention for EMS workers in the public sector has declined dramatically in recent years. Simultaneously, the demand for EMS services in the U.S. is predicted to continue to increase substantially. We go on to rec recruitment more. Many U.S. fire departments are finding it increasingly difficult to fill their paramedic positions. This phenomenon has created a need for EMS directors to delve into unfamiliar area of recruiting. Many traditional economists would advise that increases in compensation are necessary to solve the problem. However, lots of howevers on this, public service EMS employers are rarely in a position to change compensation packages to meet the need of the job market. Additionally, compensation is generally limited to the ability of the organization to raise funds. Transport fees for EMS do generate revenue for both public and private providers. So there is the cost of having to call and have someone take you in an ambulance. However, rates for these fees are tightly controlled by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, and the private healthcare industry. Change in that area is likely to come much too late to solve the current crisis in EMS recruitment. Recruitment solutions may be linked to factors other than compensation. Wow, so that's not good, folks. But other factors such as job fit and organizational fit also play important roles in recruitment. One part of the solution is to realize that EMS organizations' best recruiters are the current EMS workers. Family and friends with like values are receptive to recruitment into the profession. This is particularly true when the lifestyle of current employees is considered to be favorable by potential candidates. We dive into retention info now. Public sector EMS organizations are also experiencing increased turnover rates, which compounds the recruitment problem. This increasing turnover rate negatively affects the quality of services provided by public EMS organizations, and the increased turnover rate comes with a monetary cost. Whatever the associated cost, there does exist a price for employee turnover, and the price reduces the overall pool of funding available to offer as compensation. The findings of the study must be tempered because of the extremely small sample size and limited volume of data collected. I like your honesty here. Thanks, Jims. EMS workers are generally satisfied with their job. Okay. Interestingly, 
EMTs reported a significantly higher job satisfaction than paramedics. Paramedics should have an advanced training though for what they deal with, so that makes sense. The principal reasons for leaving EMS among paramedics included pursuing higher education and deciding to move to a new location. Sounds pretty common to me. They have another study on here showing that incentive pay for healthcare workers can actually decrease job motivation and performance. Okay. Incentivized pay programs tend to measure performance per unit of time, which increases the pressure of the work to make faster decisions in scenarios which require critical thinking. So they do have an actual structure on how people can handle this job, which makes sense. This is a this is a highly demanding, stressful position. The perception of time pressure already exists in many tasks for EMS, but most EMS work scenarios have some discretionary time for critical decision making. They thought of it all, folks. This is pretty detailed. So both recruitment and retention have more to it, but we move on to their strategies. One of the most important motivators for recruitment and retention is the meaningfulness of work. Well, thank you for that. EMS has great advantage in this area with frequent and explicit occasions where EMS worker actions has a positive impact on patient outcome. However, here's the however again, EMS agencies are not always proficient in explicitly stating the meaningfulness of their workers' efforts. Regular recognition from positive outcomes, frequent mention of meaningfulness, and messaging and messaging the emphasis the meaningfulness of EMT, of EMS work are proven strategies for recruitment and retention so long story short these people need to hear that they are doing a good job they need the reassurance that the steps they are taking to help people are also helping them in return often EMS workers feel under equipped to accomplish the job requirements purchasing equipment is cheap compared to the cost of turnover when ems workers leave the profession because of alienation from managers who prefer to identify with fire suppression or because of incivility from their peers then the agency has experienced a preventable loss leaders cannot allow incivility in the workplace in the current cultural environment when EMS workers are treated well, recognized for the meaningfulness of their work, and are given proper training and resources, then that worker becomes the best recruiter the organization can have. I like it. Job satisfaction and job dissatisfaction are contagious. Higher turnover rates cause the need for increased recruitment. Poor recruitment can lead to unfilled positions which can increase retention problems. These problems are intrinsically connected and irreductibly complex. One way to help understand the interplay of recruitment, retention, and organizational performance is to view the problem from job resources versus job demands perspective. The job resources such as continued medical education and public recognition for high demand performance are within their purview of EMS directors and managers. Also, careful attention to work hours, equipment status, and administrative job demands should be carefully monitored and evaluated to minimize amenable job demands. 
these steps are clearly part of the solution for current recruitment and retention issues within public EMS organizations. However, you keep hitting me with however, there are likely other solutions which have not come to light. The complexity of the EMS workforce and the nature of the profession has made reliable empirical data on the issues scarce. More concentrated research in this area is required before all possible solutions are revealed. This was a wonderful article that summarizes a lot of how people in the workforce in general need to get good reassurance on their performance or there will be faults. And it's not always on the workers. It can be insufficient resources in a field that shouldn't have this issue. All three of these jobs are really tough. And again, I'm thankful for the service everyone has done in these positions. Did we learn everything and how to morph these jobs into something better? No, but I will finish it all with these statements to make it anti-work again. If you work in these jobs, you are a very strong person in doing so, but it would be appreciated by your superiors and lawmakers to have your job be more comfortable for you and to also keep you on your toes when needed. The emergency hotlines will see some devastating things. And at the same time, there's a chance they might not be called for much. But either way, let's find the proper balance between work life and regular life. Being an EMT is brutal. Make sure to thank them for helping you out. And we need to find a system that can adapt with all the craziness happening in the medical field. If your job is demanding like these positions, that's fine. But always take your breaks. Take your leave when you can. And the next time you call for help, make sure to talk to them about how they can be helped in return. That's it for this one, folks. I know it was a pretty straightforward episode. I'm fine with revisiting this one sometime. It was, it was a good time to research. Since you sat through this one, next time we meet, it will be a spooky Halloween special. So I will make a nice brew in the cauldron for that one. But thanks for listening to The Job Meltdown. Follow, share, and please download the episodes that you enjoy. It helps out a lot. Coma Media, Deep Ambient, is the intro and outro music. And as always, folks, don't work too hard out there. See you next time.